Section 179 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain Letter 214 Bath, November 26, 1757 My dear friend, I received by the last mail your short account of the King of Prussia's victory, which victory, contrary to custom, turns out more complete than it was at first reported to be. This appears by an intercepted letter from Monsieur de Saint-Germain to Monsieur d'Affry, at The Hague, in which he tells him, Cette arme est entièrement fendue, and lays the blame very strongly upon Monsieur de Soubise. But be it greater or be it less, I am glad of it, because the King of Prussia, whom I honor and almost adore, I am sure is. Though d'allure, between you and me, où ce que cela mine? to nothing, while that formidable union of three great powers of Europe subsists against him. Could that be in any way broken, something might be done, without which nothing can. I take it for granted that the King of Prussia will do all he can to detach France. Why should not we, on our part, try to detach Russia? At least, in our present distress, omnia tetanda, and sometimes a lucky and unexpected hit turns up. This thought came into my head this morning, and I give it to you, not as a very probable scheme, but as a possible one, and consequently worth trying. The year of the Russian subsidies, nominally paid by the court of Vienna, but really by France, is near expired. The former probably cannot, and perhaps the latter will not, renew them. The court of St. Petersburg is beggarly, profuse, greedy, and by no means scrupulous, why should we not step in there and outbid them? If we could, we buy a great army at once, which would give an entire new turn to the affairs of that part of the world at least. And if we bid handsomely, I do not believe the bonne foi of that court would stand in the way. Both our court and our parliament would, I am very sure, give a very great sum, and very cheerfully for this purpose. In the next place, why should not you wriggle yourself, if possible, into so great a scheme? You are, no doubt, much acquainted with the Russian resident, Soltikov. Why should you not sound him, as entirely from yourself, upon this subject? You may ask him, What, does your court intend to go on next year in the pay of France, to destroy the liberties of all Europe, and throw universal monarchy into the hands of that already great and always ambitious power? I know you think, or at least call yourselves, the allies of the Empress Queen, but is it not plain that she will be, in the first place, and you in the next, the dupes of France? At this very time you are doing the work of France and Sweden, and that for some miserable subsidies, much inferior to those which I am sure you might have, in a better cause, and more consistent with the true interest of Russia. Though not empowered, I know the manner of thinking of my own court so well upon this subject, that I will venture to promise you much better terms than those you have now without the least apprehensions of being disavowed. Should he listen to this, and what more may occur to you to say upon the subject, and ask you, En écrire je de Answer him, Écrivez, écrivez, Monsieur Radmont, je prendrai tout cela sur moi. Should this happen, as perhaps, and as I heartily wish it may, then write an exact relation of it to your own court. Tell them that you thought the measure of such great importance that you could not help taking this little step toward bringing it about, but that you mentioned it is only from yourself, and that you have not in the least committed them by it. 
If Soltikov lends himself in any degree to this, insinuate that, in the present situation of affairs, and particularly of the king's electoral dominions, you are very sure that his majesty would have une reconnaissance sans bon, for all those by whose means so desirable a revival of an old and long friendship should be brought about. You will perhaps tell me that, without doubt, Mr. Keith's instructions are to the same effect. But I will answer you, that if you can, if you please, do it better than Mr. Keith, and in the next place, that, be all that as it will, it must be very advantageous to you at home, to show that you have at least a contriving head, and an alertness in business. I had a letter by the last post, from the Duke of Newcastle, in which he congratulates me, in his own name and in Lord Hardwick's, upon the approbation which your dispatches give, not only to them too, but to others. This success so early should encourage your diligence and rouse your ambition if you have any. You may go a great way if you desire it, having so much time before you. I send you here enclosed the copy of the report of the three officers, appointed to examine previously into the conduct of General M. It is ill-written and ill-spelled, but no matter. You will decipher it. You will observe, by the tenor of it, that it points strongly to a court-martial, which no doubt will soon be held upon him. I presume there will be no shooting in the final sentence, but I do suppose there will be breaking, etc. I have had some severe returns of my old complaints last week, and am still unwell. I cannot help it. A friend of yours arrived here three days ago. She seems to me to be a serviceable, strong-bodied bay mare, with black mane and tail. You easily guess who I mean. She has come with Mamma and without Carosposo. Adieu. My head will not let me go on longer. End of section 179. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.